Welcome once again to another wacky and zany episode of Indie Comics. I am your host, Jeff, and I am pretty sure you've heard me a time or two on the Grand Geek Gathering, on Many a Spot, and just whatever other shows you've had the pleasure of listening to. So let's go ahead and start with introductions first. Hi, this is Dan. And of course, I'm Jeff. Today we're going to be bringing you some of the selected comics for the week that I hope you will get at your local comic book store. Preferably tomorrow, since Wednesday is New Comic Book Day. We're also going to be looking at A Blast from the Past. We're going to be looking at a Hellboy comic. And we are going to be looking at one of my favorite creators, Mike Mignola. I'm so excited. Sorry. Oh, yes. Just a side note. The excitement is just, it's tearing me apart here too, bud. Not just you. (laughs) Now, for selected comics for the week of June 10th, 2015, let's look at some of the selected picks that I am going to offer to you guys. First of all, from Antarctic Press, we have Gold Digger number 222 by Fred Perry, who's both the writer and the artist. Been doing the art and the writing, both of these things, ever since issue number one. This guy is just amazing. And it definitely appeals to those who like anime kind of art. That's what is real good about this book. Fantagraphics, you have Blubber number one, which is a new uh, ongoing that's being done by Gilbert Hernandez, who does both the interior artwork as well as the written dialogue. For IDW, we have Long Distance number one, which is the first of a four-issue miniseries by Thomas Zoller, who does, once again, just like with Hernandez and Perry, he's also doing the interior art as well as the actual written dialogue. So you get some real interesting comics when you see not just the writer, but also the artist, one in the same person. For Valiant, we have Exo Man of War 25th Anniversary Special Number 1 by Robert Venditti, who many of you know from DC Comics and his run with uh, the current Green Lantern, as well as Kafu, who is doing the interior artwork. Okay, that's interesting. That's the first name out of, uh, was it three so far, that I'm actually, uh, I know. Just... You know, but so you're pretty familiar with Venditti? Yeah, the other ones I was just like, hmm... Yeah, it's because, you know, he's worked for the bigger companies more than anything, but he does a lot of good stuff with uh, Valiant Comics, especially with his run on uh, Exo Manowar, which is just one of the best. Now, with uh, Xenoscope, we have the 11th uh, issue of the current Robin Hood series, Robin Hood in this case being a woman, and the interior artwork is done by Roberta Ingranata, and the inter- and the uh, written uh, story is done by Patrick Shand. These are some among my five most... Uh, anticipated picks of the week out of those five which one is the one that you for sure like these people should get if they had to pick one you know they're low on the budget this week well i would tell you right now if i had to pick one if you were like really on a budget and it would also depend on what you're going i mean if you're more for a story than anything else then i would go for exo man of war 25th anniversary because this guy has been around ever since valiant first came out back in the 90s and exo was one of the flagship characters when they when the when the company was first constituted i mean this guy is amazing so a 25th anniversary really starts to bring everything full circle to a character who's been around comics for 25 years now if you want good artwork especially um cover artwork then i would uh, recommend robin hood number 11 because xenoscope is very uh famous for its uh for its cover art it employs some of the best artists out there right now to do it but each and every single one of these is good i can't really say one is better than the rest go out there get to your local comic book store and start to look toward those independent comics whenever you get a chance wednesday is almost here people now let's go ahead and shift gears we are going to be looking at our blast from the past this week reviewing an oldie book goodie 
In this case, we are going to be looking at Hellboy Seed of Destruction. Now, Hellboy Seed of Destruction was a four-issue miniseries that lasted from March to June of 1994. It was the first Hellboy comic miniseries for Dark Horse Publications. There, there was prior uh, coverage of the Hellboy character. He had appeared in comics before that, but only as like a one-shot of some specific comics at, at that time. This was the first actual ongoing, but in this case, a miniseries that was actually devoted to him specifically. Now, now, it was conceived and drawn by Mike Mignola. However, even though he did do the actual story, the actual script was being done by John Byrne. Of course, we all know John Byrne from, you know, his time doing The Man of Steel in DC back in 86, but he also had a real good run with uh, X-Men back in the day. He's done Next Men on um, independent labels. I mean, Byrne is like a living legend in of himself. Just the fact that he was doing the script for this particular book shows that they were really looking at this as a promising feature. It was partially the bait. Now, one thing that most people don't realize is that Seed of Destruction was actually partially the basis for the 2004 Hellboy movie that was directed by Guillermo del, Tor del Toro. Because that storyline was adapted toward that, toward that movie that we've all well enjoyed. Even though this wasn't the first appearance of Hellboy as a character in Dark Horse, the miniseries itself popularized the character of Mignola and turned a creator-owned dream into a reality. I mean, this was something that he was just pitching to people when he when he was at a Comic-Con way back in the early 90s. Finally, when we have him getting into his own miniseries, that's when that's when Minula realized, hey, I got something that actually I have created and I'm going to run with it and I'm going to make it popular. And in time, Hellboy has become probably one of the most recognized independent characters in all of the comic book industry. I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. You know, you know, you're Batman, you know, you're Superman. But I dare say a whole lot of people know about Hellboy nowadays as well. Congrats to them. Seriously. Exactly. Especially for something that, well, when it was originally pitched, I believe it was pitched to DC at one point to the concept of the character Mignola. They, however, were kind of iffy on the subject, especially since it had to do with hell and DC was like, ah, we, we don't really want to spend something that's going around a subject around hell right now it was kind of an iffy subject to them it was kind of touchy with them so it really shows you just how much faith um, dark horse was really was willing to put out when they finally accepted this character and gave uh, minula the green light now it won the eisner award for best graphic album reprint as well as for mike minula attaining the best writer artist uh, eisner award in 1995 because of how popular this series became being in the 95 like uh that was a very interesting time for comic books wasn't it like the uh gold not the golden age but it's kind of like age where comic books were just coming back. We had the Reborn series and DC had like Death of Superman. They had a mm -hmm. bunch of things going on. Definitely. There was a lot in, in the big two going toward all that, but it was also a dark time because eventually in 96, you had the speculators crash going on. So companies like this are definitely offering a good alternative. And this is just the 90s. I mean, this was, like you said, it, it almost was a veritable golden age and independent companies to come out and offer good competition. And, you know, the end result is, well, let's be honest. He's pretty much the most recognized character of Dark Horse now, other than the fact that Star Wars also had a lot going on with Dark Horse as well before they were swallowed up by one of the big two. It's also significant for combining film noir type artwork as well as horror themes, monster themes, and detective themes within this entire volume. That is something that really had not, to my knowledge, had not been tackled before within a particular kind of comic book. Film noir, horror, monster, and detective themes. You may have had like one or two that are covered within a particular book, but never all four of those right at the same time. 
That's why Hellboy, I think, really offered a new paradigm for the comic book reader. To have a monster who essentially comes from hell and eventually fights on the side of righteousness and eventually becomes part of a big detective agency in its pursuit against the paranormal. This uh, four-issue miniseries, Seed of Destruction, is collected in the first Hellboy trade paperback, including the miniseries itself, but it also includes some older appearances of the titular character and even some pin-up art from the likes of artistic luminaries such as Simon Bisley, Mike Allred, who I absolutely adore, Art Adams, who's just amazing. Frank Miller, who pretty much you can't say a bad thing about. Well, at least I can. There's plenty of people out there that probably would, but I don't. You also have artwork by uh, Fred Blanchard in there, by Gary Gianni. This is definitely a well-recommended book to any and all readers out there who are not sure exactly where to start within the realm of Dark Horse's Hellboy universe. If you're stuck on, if you want to read more into Hellboy and you're not sure where to start, I highly recommend going out to your local comic book store, or even to your local library just to borrow it. Get Hellboy Seed of Destruction. I feel like um, for those who watch the movies and really like the characters, really like the series, you know, the two movies, if they want more, uh, I I think this is the way for them to go. It's going to the old school comic books because it seems like for me, someone who's not very familiar with the character, I feel like every week I, I watch this or I listen to this podcast and I want to figure out this character was such, such a small character having such a big role now. He must have done something right to begin with and it looks like from the way it sounds a lot of fun. Different mixes of genres in one thing and to me, that's so fascinating. Exactly. It's it's one of those kind of things that if you did see the movie and you enjoyed it, you're most likely going to be wanting to learn more about it. And that's what that trade paperback, that collected edition, I would highly recommend. There's a lot more suggestions about just all the many dozens of books that have been done about Hellboy ever since then because he's just exploded. He's pretty much... For all intents and purposes, he is Dark Horse's, uh, just like, you know, Batman is for DC. I mean, he's the most recognizable character for, for Dark Horse, and there has been so much done about him. If you're interested in Hellboy, you love hellish themes, you love monsters, you love detective themes, go out and get it today. So, and, I mean, this is a great another great example of why you should get into indie comics. And another, and another thing is, just like you were mentioning, I mean, the years thing you were just talking about, it's really not that long ago that, ju- that this guy just started out in comics either. You're talking only a span of about 21 years. It wouldn't require a whole lot of catching up for you to do in order to get the gist of just what this Hellboy character is about, what he's doing, and the entire world around him. And it's a very expansive universe. Yeah, it's not like the 50 years or so of like... 50, 60 years of, like, the DC comics. Exactly, exactly. It's not something so convoluted that you'd never be able to get it. No, this is very specific, and it'd be very easy for somebody to get into and to catch up with. But now let's look at the creator behind that wonderful piece that has given us one of the most uh, recognized characters in comics nowadays. We're going to look at Mike Mignola in our creator spotlight of Who Dat? Mike Mignola, he is a comic book writer and artist who's been working in the industry since 1980. I mean, that's 35 years right there. I mean, that he should already have like a silver medal just for that, for, for that amount of time. I mean, nearly 40 years in the industry. Just amazing. Now, his first published piece was a spot illustration of Red Sonia done in the 183rd issue of the Comic Reader, which was um, kind of a spotlight of different genres of comics back in the early 80s. And it is an awesome piece. I actually wish I had the example with me right now, but it, it's it, it's gritty. It's gorgeous. And if anybody knows about Mike Mignola's kind of art, 
it's one of those cherished re um, recognizable pieces that you wish was in your collection. <laughs> but, you know, he's been around too. I mean, you know, being 35 years in an industry, eventually he gets around places. Now, he's worked as an inker for Marvel on various titles such as Daredevil, Power Man and Iron Fist. He's also worked on Incredible Hulk. Alpha Flight, and amazingly, when Rocket Raccoon had his own miniseries, he was even the inker on that. For DC, he's done a various number of art, artistic uh, um, things, including uh, artwork for The Phantom Stranger, for The World of Krypton, which was to be kind of uh, a look back at Krypton during the uh, post-Crisis uh, on Infinite Earths years, Cosmic Odyssey, which was one of the uh, big events that had happened within like two years of Crisis on Infinite Earths. He's also famous for doing the interior artwork in Batman death in the family in which we saw you know our second ever robin killed by the joker you know the famous issue but probably more importantly i mean and these are just some of his some of his works by no means are these all that he's done i mean he is very prolific he has put a lot out there but the one recognizable piece that i would recommend more more than any other of what he did in dc was what is considered to be an elseworlds comic and this one is called batman gotham by gaslight which was an Elseworlds story dealing with Batman in a Gotham City that is basically still in the Victorian era. And basically talks about how a possibility that, you know, a Jack the Ripper type character was going around in Gotham at the time. I mean, what's not to love about a story like that? I definitely know that that's a very popular style Batman that was out. Oh, yeah. He did the he did the artwork for that inside and out. And it's just it's still stunning. It still holds up even after all this time. And that was way back in 1989. So that just shows you how long it was and how how significant and important a book it still is, at least to me. He's also done various titles for other defunct, now defunct in, um, imprint companies, especially Epic Comics, including some high fantasy type um, issues that he did, including one which was called Farhard and the Gray Mouser, as well as another one called Iron, Wo Iron Wolf Fires of Revolution. Now, some of these almost kind of border on Mouseketeers, World of Warcraft type stuff, and these are stories that you kind of really have to you really have to look out for if you actually want to find them. They're more on the rare kind of list, and these are ones that I'm currently actually trying to find myself. But his work for Dark Horse was a turning point in his career, at least in my opinion. For prior to his creator-owned project, Hellboy, becoming big, he only did work for hire on behalf of the companies he had been employed by. So, you know, he would do stuff here, he would do stuff there, get paid for it, but he was still at the whim of the editors themselves, but not actually doing his own thing. But through, creation, but through the creation of Hellboy, he opened up a veritable universe. He not only created Hellboy, he created Abe Sapien. He did the Bureau for Paranormal Research and Defense, which you guys know as the BPRD. He created Lobster Johnson. Practically every other character that's synonymous with Hellboy's universe, that's all him. That is Mike Mignola's creation, and it has been expansive ever since, and it continues to hold up. His artistic style is quite unique, to say the least. Very gritty, almost Nor-like, you see a lot of influences. Alan Moore himself once even said of Mike Mignola's art style that it's almost, quote-unquote, German Expressionism meets Jack Kirby. Now, if anybody knows about Jack Kirby's style, you see a very rugged kind of atmosphere with German Expressionism, which is, you know, kind of almost a perfectionist kind of look. And I couldn't agree more, actually. That's why I think Mignola is one of the most recognizable styles out there. You will look at a piece of his art from afar and you will know that's a Mignola piece. And it's something that I would want to have on my wall. Unfortunately, I don't have a Mignola <laughs> piece yet, but I am desperately trying to get one. Not yet. 
not yet, but his career outside of comics is quite impressive too. He was, an il- he, for instance, and I didn't even know about some of these, but he was um, an illustrator for Francis Ford Coppola's 1992 Bram Stoker's Dracula movie, the one where Keanu Reeves played Jonathan Harker. So he was an illustrator for that. But he was also a production designer for Disney's Atlantis, The Lost Empire, which now that I look back on it, when I look at the designs of some of the vehicles and the way that they were kind of putting this forth, it actually makes sense now. You saw, you, you, you saw a heavy steampunk in in that movie and it's like well yeah now i can kind of see minula's influence in that but he was also a concept artist for the second blade movie as well as for pixar's brave of all things i would never have guessed that he worked on pixar's brave would never have thought that whatsoever he's also been closely um involved in the well he was closely involved in the production of both hellboy movies both in 2004 and the follow-up sequel which was the golden army in 2008 his dark horse comic book the amazing screw on head actually debuted as a feature show for the sci-fi channel which is now sci-fi back in 2006 and i believe the head character was actually voiced by paul giamatti that's something in itself right there one of his actual books getting onto a network like this yeah this guy is just done so much the fact that he inked such amazing pieces and and to get picked in such a big role as those kind of comic books and then have your work become into movies wow just i mean and everyone sees his work and they're like oh he's just a comic book artist no there's a lot more than that that's one thing i think people always tend to forget is that they assume these people just work around comics and that's all they do they do so much more i mean being an artist you're obviously going to have work not just in the comic book field but in a whole lot of other venues and mike minula is probably the perfect example of that and someone who who works really hard with the comic books you uh, and you have all this on the side you know that they have a great passion for comics because they could be doing elsewhere for probably more, but they come back for the comics because that's love. Exactly. And you can tell just by the fact that, you know, Hellboy is such a popular character now in the universe that he has spawned. Mignola is re- really loves that character. I mean, Hellboy is his baby. Hellboy and his universe is his child, no matter what way you look at it. Thanks for tuning in. You can check out our other shows and offerings available on iTunes and podbean.com. Rate and review us, please. And please send any comments or questions to grandgeekgathering at gmail.com. Stay updated and informed by following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch TV. This show has been brought to you by the Grand Geek Gathering Network. Have a great weekend. GGG!